0: Well, good morning, everybody. Good morning. Praise the Lord for what a wonderful uh, conclusion we had uh, to the storm. It's just uh, just a blessing to hear everyone. There's so little damage, so uh, so little loss, and uh, yet so many lessons learned. And uh, with that, uh, our scripture reading today is going to be Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. If you would turn there, and I have a couple announcements to make. We'll begin in verse 16 of Acts chapter 17. Um, we do regret to, uh, to let everybody know that Joanne Bittner's father did pass. And uh, she did come back uh, late yesterday and, uh, and resting. So please encourage her as you have the opportunity. And um, as to that, I don't know of anyone else hospitalized. Of course, communication has been a little disrupted this week. Uh, with that... We don't have a regular order of service today. So it shall be a little bit different. Instead of having a, uh, a full message, because the week really did get away from us, I'm going to have a devotional myself, and Pastor Weiler is going to share a devotional. Mine is going to be on Acts chapter um, 17, after we read here. And then uh, Nathan Buchanan is also going to share a few words with us as well. And then next week, What was supposed to happen this week will be uh, our chairman will be addressing the congregation with a special charge, and then it will be the following week after that now that we begin to go verse by verse through the book of Jonah. So that will be our new schedule as it's been revised. Um, Thankful you are all here today, and uh, the prayers really came through. I'd like to share a few words after reading verses 16-16 through 34. Let's read that first. Acts chapter 17 beginning in verse 16. This is when Paul now had uh, suffered persecution in Thessalonica and then went to Berea and again there the Jews challenged him. So he got separated from his party, so to speak, and, uh, and uh, Silas and Timothy were going to catch up with him, but he's starting to walk through Athens and he's looking looking around at Athens, all the idols that have been made, the inscriptions, all the false gods. And uh, this describes that event, beginning in verse 16. It says, now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was being provoked within him as he was observing the city full of idols. So he was reasoning, get that, he was reasoning. In the synagogues with the Jews, and the God-fearing Gentiles, and in the marketplace every day with those who had happened to be present. And also, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers were conversing with him. Some were saying, what would this idle babbler wish to say? Others, he seems to be proclaiming strange, uh, strange deities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus saying, may we know what this new teaching is, which you are proclaiming? For you are bringing some strange things to our ears, so we want to know what these things mean. Now all the Athenians and the strangers visiting there used to spend their time in nothing other than telling or hearing something new. So Paul stood in the midst of the Areopagus and said, men of Athens, I observe that you are very religious in all respects. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands. Nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath in all things. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. And they would and uh, that they would seek God, if perhaps they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us, for in him we live and move and exist. E- and as even some of your own poets have said, for we also are his children. Being then the children of God. We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. An image formed by the art or thought of man. Therefore having overlooked the times of ignorance. God is now declaring to all men. That all people everywhere should repent. Because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness. Through a man who whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Now when they had heard of the resurrection of the dead, some began to sneer, but others said, we shall hear you again concerning this. So Paul went out of their midst, but some men joined him and believed, among whom also were Dionysius, the Areopagite, and a woman named Damaris, and others with them. The Holy Word of the Lord. As we look at this passage, uh, a couple things I immediately notice and and I appreciate about Paul as he engaged these Athenians. The first is that he reasoned and he conversed with them. He reasoned, he conversed. That means Paul engaged the unbelievers around him in, in a respectful tone. He reasoned with them. Secondly, Paul found a path to common ground, as we'll soon see. There's common ground to be had here with our neighbors, with other people who are God's created people. And uh, the men there in Athens, they admitted through the inscription uh, and and the idol made uh, to an unknown God uh, that they'd overlooked possibly one God or another God in their ignorance. They admitted that. So Paul affirmed their own observation. What was evident to them. He didn't insult them by calling them you ignorant people. No, he just affirmed what they had already said. That they were ignorant. Actually that word there uh, for ignorance is uh, the root word of agnostic. Unknowing. Undiscerning. And uh, they placed the inscription themselves beneath the unknown God. So Paul took... Uh, this opportunity he was given to introduce the people of Athens to a God they did not yet know. In verse 23, Paul says, What you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation here paul amplifies that which he has in common with these people they don't have the same common god they they aren't born again christians they are unbelievers. They have many idols. Yet there's still commonality with the unbelievers. We share in the same creation, in the same great and mighty God who created it. And then we see halfway through verse 27, Paul assures them saying, God is not far from each one of us, for in Him we live and move and exist. Even some of your own poets have said, For we are his offspring. That would be a proper interpretation. Not children, but offspring. Most translations will have it that way. And we are his offspring, Paul says, being then the offspring of God. Meaning our origin is in God. We ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone. An image formed by the art and the thought of man. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, Paul says, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, that being Jesus, having furnished proof to all men by raising Christ from the dead. So here, in just a few verses on the Areopagus, he talks about the nature of man, the sin of man, the the ignorance of man. The, uh, the 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 finitude of man. He he tells of a day of judgment, the need for repentance, and a resurrection. So here, Paul has given the gospel to Athens, and and the result, like we often see, it's just a mixed bag. You know, sometimes there's mocking. Other times, there's people. You know, we'll hear you again on this. Sometimes we'll, we'll talk about this again later. And verse 34 says, Some men and a woman believed. Paul didn't lambast them. He didn't lash out at them. He didn't call them names. Scripture says that he reasoned with them. You know, Paul didn't typically insult agnostics. As you look through Scripture, uh, those who just are unknowing, not understanding... In, in, instead, in 2 Timothy 2.24, he provided Christians uh, like ourselves advice on how to interact with those who are spiritually and scripturally ignorant. He says, the Lord's bond servant must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition. If perhaps God may grant them repentance leading to the knowledge of the truth and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. You know, the Apostle Paul gives similar advice. We find in 1 Peter 3.14 saying, but even if you should suffer for the sake of righteousness, he's talking to Christians, you're blessed. And do not fear their intimidation, and do not be troubled, but sanctify Christ as Lord in your hearts, always being ready to make a defense of to everyone who asks you to give an account for the hope that is in you, yet with gentleness and with reverence. Politeness. Paul's harsh rebukes weren't general were generally reserved uh, not for the agnostics, for the unknowing, it was generally for so called Christians. Those who claimed the name of Christ is generally who Paul rebuked when they were in immorality. Uh, often there would be false religious people Judaizers, legalistic people uh, who stood against the gospel distorted scriptures in order to deceive many, Paul showed little mercy to them but with the scripturally and spiritually ignorant, he reasoned with gentleness and meekness isn't this exactly what we saw with our Lord Jesus Christ His severest rebukes, they were told uh, toward the Pharisees, toward the religious elite who thought themselves to be something. Yet Jesus extended a gentle hand to the unbeliever, to the agnostic, to the prostitute, to the tax collector. Jesus even dined with sinners. He shared common ground with them. You know, God himself had come to sit with them in human flesh in homes. He had sat down. He breathed the same air. He ate the same types of food, probably laughed with them and cried with them. And uh, you know what? They couldn't get enough of Jesus. They loved Jesus. And Jesus loved them. Unfortunately, you know, sometimes we as Christians, we forget what we have in common, even with unbelievers. Yet Paul used what we all have in common as a bridge to proclaiming the gospel of those who did not believe. Um, Folks, we all live in the same world. We all suffer similar tragedies. Uh, we share many of the same fears as others do and I'd say that this couldn't have come to greater um, uh, observation than with Hurricane Matthew many people were scared though they didn't realize that or not a lot of our neighbors wanted to see out of humanity something good they wanted to see love they wanted to see light they didn't probably expect it in a lot of situations it, the world is a cold it's a dark place but nonetheless they're hoping to see a glimmer of light when the storms of life roll in Now, Jesus told his followers let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and then glorify your father who is in heaven You know, though Christians have, we have escaped judgment in hell. We've been redeemed by the blood of Christ. He died in our place. He suffered what we should have suffered. Though we are redeemed, we've not yet escaped just this chaos of the world. The hurt, the pain. You know, uh, some people don't realize that when you become a Christian, everything doesn't immediately turn rosy, does it? It doesn't. Today I'm personally thankful for that. When, the, when you look at the aerial photos and, and the hurricanes have come through and you're watching the news, have you noticed that it's not just the Christian homes left standing? If it's wiped out, everything is wiped out together. As you look through Tornado Alley there in Oklahoma... And I've driven through after a tornado. All houses get it. Everyone is in the same world suffering through the same problems. When uh, hospital beds are full of cancer patients waiting for their chemotherapy, in their midst you're going to find that there are Christians there also waiting to receive their treatment. And we lie among the sick. And there are so many ways that we're not very different from our neighbors, folks. Not very different from our neighbors. Jesus said, God causes the sun sun to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the righteous and on the unrighteous. We're in this together. Sun and rain are good things. Sometimes, as we've seen in this last week, that hurricanes in God's sovereignty can also be good things. When they're used for his purposes. And uh, I observed these events this last week. They provided opportunities like many of us don't normally get. Hurricane Matthew provided the occasion to provide a helping hand with some neighbors who I probably never would have met if it were not the hurricane coming through. Possibly would have never reached out in any other time. People that we met and discussed things. People with the same fears. People with the same troubles. People with the same sin problem. We're able to shake their hands. I know with many of you, you're able to lend a helping hand to, to people in need. We're able to in a privileged time encourage others And look into their glassy eyes. See their fear. Some of them desperate, not knowing what to do. Some of them not knowing how to hang a hurricane shutter. Struggling just to find some safety. Folks, as we look into these eyes, for a moment we can look behind those glassy eyes. Look into those eyes. We need to realize that there is a person behind each pair. Let us not forget that as our schedules get busy through the following week. Let's pray.